0: Well, let's, let's now go back to looking at these things about the devil. This is the of 16. We looked at eight two weeks ago in the evening service. We look at another eight this evening. We introduced last time by knowing your enemy, or his past violations, his present vocation, his plan to victimize, villainize and vexate through and the the different ones we looked at last time was distraction doubt disbelief double mindedness disappointment discouragement despair and deceit and this evening we start with the deadly d the ninth one of dishonesty dishonesty satan is the father of lies he is dishonest he is deceptive he will do everything To cause a person not to believe, and when we have believed, to make us a bad testimony by being dishonest. He can inflict this deadly deed upon Christians without number. The child of God need not simply lie or steal to be dishonest. We can hold back information, not telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth in a situation, and that's being dishonest. We can owe God in offerings, and that is dishonesty. We can be less than we should be as pastors and parents and citizens, employees in a company, and we can be dishonest. We can cheat on people. We can cheat on children. We can cheat on those that are in authority over us. It's estimated that there are billions of dollars each year that is swindled out of people who are made merchandise of by by those who are faith healers those who hoodwink and even the unsaved media I've seen reports on how they caught them out how they were being dishonest and how they were asking people on the way into the meeting what ailments they had and then they'd report that to the preacher you know the woman with the red dress on the third row has, has got a a leg is shorter than the other, or some things they carry on with. And then, wow, he knows all about me. Dishonest. Billions of dollars are lost every year by people seeking these ones out. Dishonesty. To be dishonest is to forget what the Scriptures tell us about this. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 6 and verse 16 and 17, we read, These six things doth the Lord hate. Seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A proud look, a lying tongue. A lying tongue. Dishonesty. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 22, we read there, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Lying lips. God is... Dishonored with lying lips. And over in the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 21, the second from the last and verse 8, we read this. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars and all liars. Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so here is the end of those that lie. And all through the scriptures, it talks about those that lie. We ought to hear, hear what the scriptures say, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. This is Second Corinthians four two. Not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Can you remember the chap that handled the word of God deceitfully? The old devil when the Lord he tempted the Lord, he was twisting the scripture, he was resting the scripture to his own destruction. And there are those who, who, are, who are his and who may even sometimes be the Lord's who rest the scriptures who handle the word of God deceitfully. There's isms and cults all around our world today that are handling the word of God deceitfully and taking gullible souls to hell with them, making them, as the Pharisees did, twofold more the child of hell than they themselves were. Terrible situation that we have at the end of the ages, as it were, has come upon us and that these things have multiplied throughout the centuries, throughout the millennia. As I said this morning, six, 6,000 years was up from creation, according to those that have calculated and spent years working it out. 1996 it was the 6,000th year. We're in the 7,000th year now, or the 7th millennium, we could say. And these people have multiplied, and they were handing the word of God deceitfully but by but, by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, that's what we should do huh. handling it correctly, it says in second Peter three and verse sixteen about those that rest the scriptures that Paul wrote, and Peter said that this is what they do. they rest w r e s t uh, they twist the scriptures they distort them to make them mean something that they want it to mean you see we need to exegete the scriptures we need to read it let it speak to us we should not be trying to exegete the scriptures reading into the word of god and making it mean what we want it to mean why should a man a mere human try to twist what god has said it's Absolute dishonesty to do that. But there are people in pulpits that are doing it all around the world all the time. Deceiving innocent souls. The tenth one that we look at, that's dishonesty, the deadly D of the devil. The tenth is a dullness. Now in the book of Hebrews it talks about this dullness that we can have this deadly D of dullness. We were talking about it this morning actually we don't know maybe who the book of the writer of the book of hebrews is but there's no doubt about the spiritual condition of those who were reading or supposed to read the book of hebrews they suffered from spiritual dullness and the author reminded them their need of sounding the word of god truthfully reading it understanding it and the teachers who taught them to teach it correctly. Hear what it says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 For when, for the time that they ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and become as such as need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth unto them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. They are able to discern good and evil. You see, here these, some of these people were dull of hearing the word of God. Their senses were not exercised. Folks, if you're not reading the Bible daily... Your senses are not being exercised. Your spiritual senses, you're discerning what it's saying. And if you don't read the Bible through, and if you don't read it and in, in study it in, in detail, study to show yourself a approved workman, then need not to be ashamed. If we don't do that, we are becoming spiritual dull. I remember once when the, I was doing work at Yakandanda for about 10 years. I was 10 years away from down where I used to work machine down at Emerald Cocker too. And I went back after ten years to do work around there and I was forgetting I had forgotten where this road went led to, these dirt roads around the back of the up in the hills there, and I had to stop and think. I said this is mad. I knew this like the palm of my hand. But because I hadn't been there and used my senses to discern where I was, didn't know where I was and what roads led to where. Hey, it is so in the Scriptures. If we leave off reading the Scriptures, if we leave off studying the Word, we need to be in it daily so that we're not dull of hearing. Listen to what what happened to them in the the Gospel of Matthew. (laughs) Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13 and verse 13. The Lord said when the disciples asked him, you know, why are you speaking to them in parables? And the Lord said, Because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For this people's heart is is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any times they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and she should be converted, and I should heal them. The Lord said they've had their opportunity, but they've so closed their eyes so many times to the truth of God's word and become dull of hearing, they're not going to hear. Their eyes are not going to see. And God, the, the God of this world, Satan, Satan wants us to become dull of hearing. He doesn't want us to hear. He wants us to be surface Christians and not to go into any depth, not to be serious about our Christian life, this dullness was affecting the church at Corinth also, not only the ones that the book of Hebrews was written to, because Paul also said to them that they need to sharpen up their this spiritual life. They need to be all ears and all eyes are looking out, watching. But they were ones also that needed to have milk and not meat. I, brethren, in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 to 3, Chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for to this time you are not able to bear it, neither now are ye able. Ye are yet carnal, for as there is among you envying, strife, divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? These things were coming about because they were dull of hearing. They couldn't take the meat, they couldn't eat the steak of the, the the strong things the hard things to be understood of the word of god in 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians in chapter 3 we read in verses 13 and 6 through to 16 and not as moses who put a veil over his face and that the children of israel could not steadfastly look to the end that, that which is abolished but their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. These, This is talking about the Jewish nation. The veil was on their heart. And even now, Paul said, in the reading of the Old Testament, the veil is on their heart. And we can say, and Andrew can say in Israel, the veil is upon their heart. It needs to be done away with. <laughs> They they are blind to spiritual truth. They're dull, dull of hearing. I pray that we are not numbered among them. Hebrews 5.11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. How many times throughout the 40-something years of ministry here I would like to have said a lot of things to a lot of people, but they were dull of hearing. They were unable to bear it, as Paul said. Unable to bear what needed to be said, and you can't say it to them. Oh, you can say it to them. It'll just drive them further into their dullness. The third point tonight, and we need to move on, but the third one is deadness, the deadly D of deadness. Deadness is simply unchecked dullness. (laughs) It comes from being dull for so long you become dead to the truth. A summary of God's overall plan concerning sin and the sinner is as follows. Whereas we once were dead in sin as unsaved people, after God's marvellous grace saved us, we, are, we now become dead to sin. We were dead in sin as unsaved people, now we're dead to sin as Christians. And that ought to be the case. But sad to say that a lot of Christians are not dead to sin. They enjoy plunging into it on occasions. And we all are guilty. In Ephesians 2 1 and 5, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. <laughs> dead in it. And he's quickened us together with Christ. And again, In the book of Romans, here it talks to the Christian. We should be dead to sin, not alive to God. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? You know, we're dead to sin. Don't do it. Don't yield to it. (laughs) Stop. Think. Because we're not in the book, we become spiritually dull. Then we become spiritual dead. There is a progression downwards and away from the Lord. We need to be alive unto him. We become dead to righteousness and alive to sin if we yield our members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. James tells us, Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without Works is dead also. And so spiritual deadness. To suffer deadness is to forget what the Bible says in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 1. And the, to the angel of the church at Sardis write these things. He that hath the seven spirits of God, the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and are dead. Dead. This is a church at Sardis. The Lord said they had a name. They had a reputation. They had buildings. They had liturgies. They had all these things going. And it looked like they were spiritual life. And folks, that's the mainline churches today. They look like they're spiritual. They act the part. But they're like the church at Sardis. They're spiritually dead. Thou art dead. And as God looks at him and as he looked at the church of Sardis and the seven churches, read about them. The church of Laodicea, the last one, you know, thought they were all okay. They had great things. They were rich and increased with goods and we have need of nothing. We don't even need the Lord. Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You know, get God's eye slave, Get the word and apply it that you may see that you are spiritually, spiritually dead. So, deadness, dullness, dishonesty, and now defilement, defilement. We shouldn't say, Lord, use me. We should say, Lord, make me usable. We can be so defiled that the Lord cannot use us. Remember in the Old Testament the holiness that the priests were to practice. Remember that the high priest who went once into the Holy of Holies had to be pure and clean and spotless in all ways that he not be smitten in the presence of the Lord. God does not require golden vessels nor silver containers that look good, but he insists upon clean vessels that we may be used of him. A believer who defiles himself with the things of the world is not going to be used of the Lord. Regardless of his education, regardless of his ability, re- regardless of how he dresses up and the car he drives and the church he attends, high steeple, few people, down church. No, if we are defiled, the Lord doesn't use us. The Lord tells us in First Corinthians chapter six verse nineteen and twenty, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Ye are not your own, you are brought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your bodies. Don't let them be defiled. In the book of James, chapter three and verse six, the tongue defiles the whole body if we haven't got the right tongue, if we're using it incorrectly. Let me read that one. This is in James chapter three and verse six. We read there, And the tongue is a fire, it's a world of iniquity. And so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. And uh, (laughs) we may have used our tongues as so, and we have had tongues used on us as so. You know, this one, set on fire of hell. That's a defiled tongue. Let's not defile the temple of the Lord. Let us be clean, clean vessels that God can use. Make us usable, Lord. The next one we look at is defame, next deadly D. How often the Christian is guilty of criticising and belittling and putting down other people, how much each one of us may be doing that. And we need to be careful that we do not do that. We shall suffer a loss of gain of reward depend on how we use our tongues at the beamer seat of Christ as we have defamed or put others down. Now, I'm not talking about doctrinal. If a person has got a doctrinal issue, that needs to be addressed and needs to be talked about, needs to be dealt with. But it's when it comes to personality, you know, it's that's a... That's a problem if we have a criticism of that. God made us as we are. In Romans, in Romans chapter 14 and verse 4, here it talks about the servant of the Lord and how we need to be careful how we talk about them. In chapter 14, we'll get there in Romans 14 and verse 4. Who art thou? that judgest another man's servant. To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. And I've heard people, and to me, they have criticized pastors, their pastor, and it saddens me. And I want to memorize this verse to be able to use that toward them and say, Who art thou that judgest another man? So this man is God's servant. You're judging him. To his own master, to God he stands or falls. Yea, he shall be holden up. The Lord will hold him up and use him. Don't defame him. Don't defame him. Defame the doctrine that might be taught that is wrong. But do not defame the the Lord's servant that's preaching the truth of the word of the Lord. Over in the book of James again we go. James chapter 4 again. (laughs) James 4, and verse 11 and 12, we read there, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgest his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgest the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Before God, we're going to stand and give an account for what we say and do. Hebrews 6.10 For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labour of love which ye have showed toward his name in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. That's what we should do. We should be building each other up. We should by l- love and uh, meeting together provoke one another to love and to good works according to Hebrews chapter 10, I think, in those verses. So we we need to encourage one another. We need to lift work, especially today when there's so much going wrong everywhere. We need... Not to defame, but to encourage, to lift up. Psalm 101, verse 5 reads, Whoso privily slandereth his neighbour, him will I cut off. Him that hath an eye, high look and a proud heart, will I not suffer. So let's be careful of what we do. And don't do the devil's work in defaming one another, but encouraging, lifting up one another, provoking one another to love and to good works. And ministering and serving one another, as the book of Proverbs, I mean the book of Philippians, chapter two, verse tells us, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. What are you doing? How are we going in these deadly deeds? We've looked at dishonesty, dullness, deadness, defilement, defaming, and now delaying, delaying. At the great white throne judgment where this deadly deed will really be revealed. There will be those standing there who the devil has caused to delay believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been remarked that many, a man in hell, will say they were going to get saved at the 11th hour, but they died at 1030 Oh, I'll leave it till later. I'll wait till another day. Remember Felix in Acts chapter 24 and 25 said, when I have a more convenient season, I will believe. Doesn't record that he ever did. Maybe he did, but maybe he didn't. You, if you are not a Christian, can be overcome by this deadly D of the devil. I will delay it till later. I'll live life. I'll go out there and live it up. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. <laughs> yes, tomorrow we may die. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after that, the, the judgment. Don't delay. In 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, Behold, now is accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. It doesn't, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised a second chance at believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Go now, in James it tells us, go now, and ye that say today or tomorrow will go into such a city and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapour that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Whew, gone. Don't delay. Don't put off believing on the Lord. The devil wants you to delay believing today, I've got tomorrow. No. There's testimony after testimony of people who've done that and have died tomorrow. They haven't had another day. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Believe today. Trust today. Don't delay. Don't delay. That's the devil whispering in your ear. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Don't be a sluggard, spiritually speaking saying, a little folding of the hands to sleep. little more time I've got. We haven't got time. It's a precious commodity. We've got very little of it. And we need to take advantage of it and don't delay and put the decisions off. And that might be, as a Christian, we can delay. <laughs> we can delay God speaking to that person that God has convicted us about speaking, writing a letter, giving a phone call to somebody that you know needs the Lord, and that God has laid on your heart. You, you might, you probably don't know that God is working on their hearts already. He's working on yours to talk. He's working on theirs to convict. Don't delay. Don't delay giving to the missionary. Don't delay disciplining your children. Don't delay providing that which is needed for them. And be a worse than an infidel. Don't delay in every aspect of life. Do that which the Lord gives you to do and you find and you do it with all your might. Don't delay. And don't delay in spiritual matters. Don't delay to have your reading in the word and your prayer to the Lord every day. Um, The 15th one, second from last, is discord. A great deadly D of the devil. Another one. It's been rightly observed that Far more Bible believing churches have been split over disposition than over position. This is to to say the tragic cause of a split is usually discord rather than doctrine. Doctrine divides, true doctrine divides, because there are those that don't want to believe it, and it'll divide, it'll cause a division. But when it's over personality, over disposition, then we need to take heat. And it's sad that that's so that so many have divided, and caused, caused discord. Let's go to the book of First Corinthians. First Corinthians. Early in the book, there Paul gets down to the nuts and bolts of why he is writing to them. And we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, And hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them who are of the house of Chloe. Was Chloe going around talking about the disposition of the Corinthians? No. He was talking about their doctrine and the behaviour that come from it, their wrong doctrine, their wrong belief systems, and their wrong practising here, and divisions. But there are, be, that you be perfectly joined together, in the same mind, in the same spirit. But there are contentions and divisions among you. This I say that every one of you that saith, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptised in the name of Paul? And here this division had come in into the church there at Corinth. And it was causing quite a stir. It was causing quite a problem in the church. And Paul said you need to be perfectly join together that there be no divisions among you in verse 10. And the, and Satan wants to divide us. Divide and conquer is his method in the church. And over and over again, and again, I say over the years, I've seen this happen over and over again, where division comes and people get out of sorts and they get twisted and, 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 and leave. And as di- because of the discord and the that's that's come here in, that comes into the church don't don't do that it's a terrible thing to show to sow discord amongst the brethren the book of proverbs talks about it over and over again and ceasing six things does the lord hate Yea, seven are an abomination and one of them, and I think one of the chief ones, is he that soweth discord among the brethren. Let's be more like those in the book of Malachi, who fellowship one with another around the word of God and had wonderful fellowship. And a book of remembrance was written about them and because of their love for one another. Yes, that's verse chapter 6, verse 16 and 19. Let's go to the last one. Our time is short. <laughs> and we get to the... Th- The final deadly deed of the devil, and that is disobedience. Disobedience. There's two famous souls in the scripture. Can you remember them? There was Saul the king in the Old Testament, and there was Saul in the New Testament. A very profitable study can be had by looking at the lives and comparing them both. Both were of the tribe of Benjamin. 1 Samuel 9:2 and Philippians 3:5. One was tall and impressive, Saul the King, head and shoulder above the rest of them. The other was short and unimpressive. 2 Corinthians 10:10, 10, 10, 1 Samuel 9:2. The first, King Saul, began as God's friend and ended up as God's enemy. The second started off as God's enemy, persecuting Christians, consenting to their death, but ended up as God's friend. (laughs) And the Lord said of him, I'll show him how great things he must suffer for my sake. And he soldiered on and encouraged others to do so right to the end of his life, martyred for the Lord Jesus Christ. One went to the witch of Endor in the hour of death, while the other turned to the word of God. What really made the difference between these two souls, one of the old and one of the new testament? The answer is simple, is simple. Obedience and disobedience. Listen to what Samuel the prophet said to Saul, King Saul, the tall fellow, in the Old Testament. First Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as greater delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected thee from being king." disobedience if Saul had obeyed it would be a whole different scenario a whole different outcome but then you read and we haven't time but in Acts 26 verses 12 to 19 the reference there of where Paul obeyed when he heard the gospel remember his response when he understood who was talking to him he said you know who art thou Lord, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And immediately he obeyed the gospel from as it was the heavenly vision that he got there, the heavenly voice that spoke to him on the road to Damascus. To disobey is to forget what the Lord has said, for sin shall not have dominion over you. To obey the flesh, to obey the world, to obey the old nature, is death, as we even talked about earlier. But to obey the Lord, to yield our members as instruments of righteousness unto Him, in obedience, the Lord is pleased with obedience, and that sort of obedience from a Christian. In Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8, there it speaks about those that don't obey the gospel. It's of primary importance that you obey the gospel. And it says, this is what happens to them in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a deadly deed for unsaved people if they do not obey the gospel. I'm not a sinner. I don't need someone to die for me and shed his blood. I need no sacrifice for my sins. I'm not so bad. I'm pretty good. I go to church. I've been baptised. I I give to this and I give to that. You know, you can give your body to be burned, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, and have not loved. You don't love God as you ought to and obey him. If you love God, you will obey him. And you will obey his gospel. You'll confess with your mouth, you'll believe with your heart that God hath raised Jesus from the dead, and that his blood was shed for your sins, and you'll be saved. You'll obey the gospel Again. We read the same thought over in, in Peter, in First Peter chapter four and verse 17. First Peter 4:17, we read, "For the time is come, the judgment must begin at the house of God." And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? As Christians, we're to judge ourselves. Judgment must begin at the house of God. If it starts at us, what will be the end of those that obey not the gospel? Unbelievable suffering for all eternity. That's what the end of those that obey not the gospel. The devil wants to deceive you. That you don't see the truth. Believe the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it is still the day when you can be saved. Still the day that you can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't Don't be deceived by him and disobey the Lord. God has put you on this planet for the most important decision you'll make and that is to believe on him by faith. If you go out of life having not believed, you go into eternal condemnation. But if you believe and receive the gift of God, John 3.16, God so loved the world he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have eternal life. If you die believing, you go into the rest of God for eternity. I invite you to believe and trust. Don't be deceived by the devil. Dishonesty, dullness, deadness, defilement, defame, delay, discord and disobedience. Eight of the deadly deeds of the devil. God must open our eyes. May he do that for you today. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it warns us of the devil who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And Lord, he's devouring the majority of souls, because the broad road is full of people that are heading to destruction, condemned to eternal judgment. May you rescue a few today, even from the message and the word today, that they might be saved. As Christians, let us live victoriously, above these deadly deeds of the devil. Let's be aware of them, but not be overcome by them. We ask your blessing and strength and guidance and wisdom in Jesus' name now. Amen.